DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. So I'm curious, the Lakers are back in the NBA Finals. How good you feeling? Or you're a Laker fan, getting there means nothing, only winning. <laughs> well, I have been a Laker fan most of my life, and uh, so I, I was happy. I'm um, happy for LeBron, and uh, he obviously played really well, but you're right. I think that in, in his mind, and I think in all their minds, it's it's all about winning the winning the championship. So uh, they put at least they put themselves in that position. Uh, as we'll probably talk about, they they certainly have their own vulnerabilities and issues. But uh, it's going to be fun. It was it was really fun watching Miami play. I I, I love the way they play. I wish I wish the Lakers uh, with all that talent played with a, with a little more chemistry like the the Heat have. But uh, it's going to be a great matchup. So the Heat were a five seed. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Now, obviously, they didn't have Jimmy Butler, and they didn't have Hero, and those are two big additions. But the thing that I like about the Heat that sends a message to the rest of the league is you don't necessarily need to have the top two or three picks like LeBron, like Anthony Davis, because they don't have a bunch of high draft picks on their roster, but they got the job done. Yeah, and I think Bam Adebayo, I mean, he, he's a guy that has just taken his game to a whole other level. So you're right, the development. I mean, you hear all the time about the heat culture and the work ethic and um, all the things that, you know, the guys playing with the chip on their shoulder, all the little the little sayings that go with the heat. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, they they have uh, – there's, there's, there's something to be said about uh, – that group as a whole and, and, and the sum of their efforts and their talent. And they may not have a, a bunch of all-stars, but uh, they certainly have played so well together. And, and I love Spolster's ability to play zone and change defenses. And I mean, he's a really creative guy and that's been there a long time. So they're, they're well coached. I mean, and, and not to say that the Lakers aren't well coached. I mean, there, there's good coaching on both sides, but you got to really like what Miami does. They kind of, He's a, he's a little out of the box for uh, for the NBA, and he's changing defenses all the time, and he's surrounded himself with really good shooters. And uh, but I, I think really out of if if Miami's going to win this thing, Adebayo is going to be the key. I mean, Hero's going to still make baskets, Robinson's going to make baskets, Butler's going to be who they're going to be. But Adebayo plays like he did yesterday. Uh, this is a seven game series, but. I'm not, I'm not sure that'll happen because I think the Lakers have so much size that they can offset some of that. But he's been, for me, uh, such a great surprise. Plays with so much energy and just fun to watch. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, every once in a while, a former player will get all wound up on TV and say something. And, and I'll think... Oh, man, you wish you could put on that uniform and go out there and teach them a lesson. Uh, I think it was Paul Pierce getting wound up saying, uh, these players are all intimidated by LeBron. My generation wasn't intimidated. Well, LeBron's in the finals for the ninth time in ten years. I really don't see all the difference in the results over the years here. It's LeBron gets back to the finals. Has really anything changed in that regard? Is is he intimidating people more than usual? You know, I mean, Paul Pierce – to my recollection, won that one championship in Boston, right? I don't think there were any others. 
I think what happens sometimes, these guys get on TV and, and, and immediately in their own minds, they have become, you know, experts on all things. And, uh, and they certainly feel like their opinions, uh, uh, should be listened to and heard. But, I, you know, he, he was kind of out there. Dwayne Wade kind of, uh, took it to him anyway after the game, after, uh, Paul had been pontificating about how the Celtics were going to win and, and Miami closed the door on that. So I don't, I don't agree with that. Uh, Listen, LeBron has has done exactly what you know. I think most of us felt he was capable of doing. I, I the more I watch LeBron, the more I realize what an incredible, not only player but specimen and taking care of a body and at 35 years of age to put up 38 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, and really have uh, very little slippage in his game at a time that it meant the most says a lot about how this guy's taking care of himself, the mindset he has. And a lot of people, there's a lot of LeBron haters. I, I get that. But uh, I, I, I have so much respect for uh, the, the way that he approaches the game and his competitiveness. And, and obviously he's a big, strong guy, but there aren't many people at 35 years of age that are doing what he's doing. And the Lakers aren't where they are without him. So, uh He's earned everything that he's got, you know. And I, it was interesting today. I, or yesterday, I was just reading a few articles about uh, his relationship with Pat Riley, and that that'll prove to be interesting. But obviously, there was some issues there, and uh, when he left, uh, and but Pat Riley had something right. He said that all I saw was a ten-year dynasty, and you know what? If LeBron stays in Miami, uh, they probably had a ten-year a dynasty unlike anything that they've seen since the Celtics. So I can understand Riley's uh, angst and uh, maybe a little bit of bitterness, but LeBron's done it his way, and you know he went back to Cleveland and won a championship, and now I know that uh, he'd love to win a championship for the Lakers and Kobe and everybody there in Southern California. I'll look back a little bit here. The Gordon Hayward thing really hasn't worked out. Boston, you know, looking at stuff, he's taking a lot of heat. He's going to – he can opt out, but no one's going to pay him $34 million a year, so it seems like he's going to opt in. What's your read on that situation? You know, I, I can't, it's hard to tell how injuries impact a player. And, 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 and between the injuries and, and, and obviously uh, things going on at home with mom having a baby and you know, all those kinds of things, but the injuries have been a little bit problematic. And, you know, the, the thing is with Tatum and Brown – uh, you know, you've got you've got a lot of the same there. You know, obviously Boston has to improve themselves with depth and also with with a with a big. Um, but I'm not sure that the Celtics. I mean, and Gordon Hayward is a really good player and he's very skilled, but he's never seemed really healthy. I mean, he just like he's lost a little bit of a step, and that could be due to injuries. But when you look at Brown and Tatum and what they're capable of doing. And, and, and then, of course, Smart has his own specific type of role. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like we're, we've got the it, – it's the same with what we already have. And, and I think the Celtics could get better um, by improving themselves in the low post, finding a guy, an inside-out guy. I mean, that's, that's the next step for them. I think that's what they're missing. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, I think you've got to give credit to Miami. I mean – Miami just played them differently. I, I, I thought it took a long time for the Celtics to figure out to get the ball in the middle of the floor and, and attack that zone, but uh, they do some unique things. And when you're changing defenses all the time and it's a short shot clock 
some guys make adjustments. I mean, I've always liked Gordon Hayward when, when he was with the Jazz, but he, is, he has not played for whatever reason, uh, and probably a lot of it is injuries, has not come even close to, I think, the potential they thought that he would have. Uh, but I think the missing piece for the Celtics is that they need uh, rim protectors and they need size up front. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us. So is this going to be a long series or a short one? You're going to pick the Lakers. That seems pretty clear from the way you're talking. But how long does it go? You know, uh, probably longer than I'm comfortable with. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I just have so much respect for how Miami does things. And uh, here, here, a couple of keys for me with the Lakers is this is that Anthony Davis can't go three games. And I know he had a tweaked ankle, but he certainly can't go three games without a rebound, you know, one or two rebounds. I I think the Lakers are better when Anthony Davis – Anthony Davis can play the five. Davis and Adebayo are going to be quite a matchup. And Adebayo is quicker and he's athletic. Uh, But, I mean, this gives Davis an opportunity to kind of step up. Now, certainly Dwight Howard played a huge role in the Lakers beating Denver, especially with Jokic. But uh, I, I, I want to see the Lakers go small at times. Put the most They're going to get zoned. They need to have shooters on the floor. Kyle Kuzma is driving me crazy. Uh, it's it just he, he's not defending, and, uh, you know, he just seems out of place there. Like, he's not quite sure what to do, and I don't know why that is. But they're going to need Caldwell Pope and Green, guys like that, Rondo, Caruso, who have all made – significant contribution they have to shoot the ball well Miami is going to zone them there's no question I mean it it is almost impossible to guard LeBron James when the floor is open and he takes it to the rim so I think we're going to see a lot of zone which I think bodes well for Miami but I think the key to this whole thing is Anthony Davis I mean he's got to rebound the ball he can't settle for 50 and mind you he is a really good 12 to 15 foot baseline jump shooter okay but at, the, but at the end of the day, they need to get stuff at the rim, and I think it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder for LeBron James to get to the rim if they're getting zoned all the time. Uh, so it goes back to the Lakers getting stops, and I think they're third defensively. That that's the, the key for me. If the Lakers defend and get runouts and score in transition like they've been doing, I think they probably win this thing in in five or six games. Uh, but if they're not getting those stops, and Miami's shooting the ball well, and Davis isn't rebounding, and he's settling for jump shots, then, then it, this, this is going to go all the way. And, and Miami can beat the Lakers. There's no question about it. They can beat the Lakers, but I think the Lakers need to change how they're playing in terms of matchups. Uh, I don't think they're going to be going as big as they have. If they had to against Denver, I think it was a great adjustment. But uh, Caldwell Pope, Morris, Kuzma, Rondo, Caruso, those are guys who are going to – they need to make baskets. They, if they start shooting threes against the zone, Miami has no chance. I mean, because if they're, if they're knocking stuff down and they're open and getting those kind of looks, they're going to score enough in transition that I don't think that Miami can beat them. But a lot of it will come down to is Anthony Davis hurt? Is he going to be able to rebound the basketball? Is he going to stay on the perimeter offensively? You know, all of those things will impact kind of how this series goes. One of the things that I underestimated was the quality of the Laker bench, and I thought that was going to do them in. But I've been wrong on this. I've been very impressed with their bench. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I know Rondo every night he's out there. It, it, it's not 
necessarily a 15 or a 16-point night. But having somebody that is that cerebral and understands how to run a team. And the same thing with Caruso. Um, you know, there, there are times in, in the game that uh, he's a little bit out of control, but he is, he is really good defensively. He's got great toughness, and he can knock shots down as well. You know, with Kuzma and Morris and Caldwell-Pope, and even Green at times, Green being more consistent, but between Caldwell, Pope, and Kuzma, one of those two needs to, to, to be able to shoot the ball. So, But you're right. And when you've added Dwight Howard uh, to that mix as well, now he was starting, but, but, but certainly they've gotten good play out of the guards uh, because there's so much attention on Anthony Davis and LeBron James, which is how it should be. I mean, they should have wide-open looks. And, and if they come out confident, and they, they seem to be playing with a lot of confidence, but there are guys that can knock shots down. I and mean, those were big question marks going into the playoffs. Can Caldwell Pope make a contribution? Can Morris make a contribution? You know, is Kuzma going to show up and be the third guy? Um, but I would say that Rondo and Caruso are the two that I think have had the biggest impact um, in terms of coming off the bench and, and it takes a lot of pressure off of LeBron as well when Rondo or Caruso are running the floor and running the team. So both those guys have really stepped up. And uh, I didn't, I didn't even know who Caruso was until this series. And not that I, I've really followed the followed these guys, but uh, both, both Rondo and Caruso have been really solid. And to beat Miami, they're going to need to knock shots down and get the ball in the seams of the zone and, and attack it. And I'm sure they will. They got three days to prepare for the zone. Steve, we appreciate the time. Lakers in five or six. We'll mark it down, and we'll talk to you again in a week. All right, guys. See you. Thank you, Steve. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo is coming up next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and we are joined now by BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo. Tom, thanks for coming over to the Riverside Country Club and talking to us here at the National Football Foundation Golf Tournament. Beautiful day, getting soaked up in some sun. <laughs> the sun is out. It's a little cold to be beautiful, but we'll roll with it. A little chilly. The fall <laughs> has come to Utah. Exactly. So uh, I'm really curious now, the job you signed up for and the job you've had to do <laughs> since COVID hit, how different are they? Night and day. But I think, DJ, I think about this all the time, that um, – most everybody in this society is, is doing something different now. It's just, it's affected everybody in so many different ways. But for college athletics, you're just on the run. There's the, you've heard all, there's no playbook, uncharted waters, every youth or whatever they say, everything is a little bit different now. Um, you just got to try to do your very best with the people that you have to make it work. So you created this football schedule, Tom, and I think it was marvelous work under the circumstances. My thought for you off the bat is, are you still working to add to the schedule? Certainly. We still have games available, but the way, we're, the way I thought I might add and do that is different now. Uh, I'd say maybe a couple months ago before we started the season, we were scrambling to try to get anybody to play. And now you can see a situation that has arisen where there's possible open games depending on missed games and postponed games. So you have the opportunity. We, we have those three games sitting at the end of the schedule in November in uh, three out of four or five weeks where they're open. And instead of like, trying to just find anybody, I'm thinking right now that it's possible that there could be games that people might just want to play later. 
And so instead of trying to grab them right now, it's probably better just to wait and see what games might be available at that time. Do you think you're going to be able to reschedule BYU-Army, or has that one gone away forever? Uh, no, I don't think that's gone away forever. Um, we'll keep talking about that because that could be a game that would be like that, where you get to the end of the season, or maybe not to the end, but as the season progresses, and you look and you see that they might say, hey, let, let's see if we can get that one done. But it just depends on what games they continue to have and which games we keep. This is a... This is a scenario right now where you play week to week, and anybody that thinks otherwise is crazy. You really have to think about your COVID testing. You have to think about the other teams and all the situation at the various counties and states across the country. You have the election coming up. You really have no idea what, when someone's going to call you up and say, we're not going to be able to play this week. I think the enthusiasm around your football team is skyrocketing. Obviously, they've had two very, very impressive wins. So the attention now is so much on the athletic director. It, this is so un, so much uncharted territory. You, you've never been in this situation. You've got a 2-0 football team that looks great, and now eyes are focused. What can Tom Homel do to beef up this schedule while you're actually playing the season? It's never been done before in the history of college football, probably, and how much attention is focused on the college season. So what can you tell us about the potential uh, Hartwell Utah State had mentioned uh and Craig Thompson had mentioned the possibility of Boise. So, A, the possibility of playing Boise in November that first week, and then the possibility of adding some P5 opponents. I mean, it's all very intriguing, <laughs> and the possibilities are dreaming. There's so many people that want to try to match up uh, you know, us against Mississippi State now. You guys know Leach. Get the job done. Um, <laughs> it's hard to imagine that uh, any P5 games would just all of a sudden pop up. They're all playing conference games, and they're playing conference-only schedules. So the, the, the way that that would happen is not possible right now. It could be possible later down the road. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, if you look at Boise, that's just in a, a unique situation where the Mountain West Conference wasn't going to play. All the games were scrapped. And then they come back to play, and you realize that this – great tradition of military academy games between the air force and army or navy those are games that pop up that they're going to play those games i'm going to i'm going to come back to this in a second here um but come back let me just stop right here and say one of the things i learned early on that was really cool about college football in this scheduling um case was if there were no games this year i'm saying none Army and Navy would have played. There would have been one football game, and it would have been Army and Navy. I think that's a really cool thing about college football is that the, the real, real Blue Bloods are going to play no matter what happens. And, and that, you know, obviously they get to play, hopefully, and nothing will get in the way of that game. But this is the case. That's why Air Force was going to be able to play in the Army and Navy games, even though they wouldn't play in a Mountain West Conference game. And, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Some people didn't like hearing about that. But that's why this is possible, because Air Force will play, I think it's Navy, and then it leaves an open game. And so they don't want to F with, with a conference only. I don't really know all the way that uh, Craig Thompson and his team are going to do this or try to make it work, but there's an oddity in the schedule because there's an open game and somebody can play. 
Tom Holm of BYU Athletic Director joining us. I'm thinking one of the things that could trigger something late in the season is if a team from the American Athletic Conference, the Mountain West, if they're pretty good and they got a good record, but they're not sure they're in a New Year's Six Bowl game, they need a game, they need to win, they need to beat a quality opponent. Can you see a scenario there where you get a late season game and it's in another school's interest to, to play a team like BYU who's got a pretty good record? Well, there's no rules really about this right now. So you don't really have some you know, point of reference. And that's possible. That would be one of the possibilities if there's open dates. Mm-hmm. So uh, like right now, we're looking at this week to week. But as the season and the, the seasons start to get cold and things move on and you're playing games later in December now. That's how, that's how the conferences that have come in late have kind of pushed the season back. There are some open dates um, and there could be more if there are open games caused by sub, uh, suspensions of games. So yeah, that's, I think it's a possibility, but to right now it's just, I think it's ironic. I think it's funny that people are trying to schedule games now for later in the season, I would think you wouldn't probably want to schedule those games at this point in time unless you were sure that you knew who would be those teams that would be involved in that. What do you know or anticipate about your bowl possibilities? Um, this is another situation this year where it's different than it's ever been. So once again, it's always nice to have ESPN as a partner. Because right now, there's a lot of bowls that are wondering if they were even going to play. The fact that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are back now and everybody's playing, well, just about everybody, the fact that that's happening now, that, that saves, that's going to save a lot of bowls. But you could imagine when you have the number seventh team from one conference playing the number six team from another conference, and those conferences aren't playing, that leaves a lot of vacant bowls. And people would, to, to try to test the temperature of those communities, where those bowls are, the great cultures and traditions of those bowls, you don't know how it was going to be. And so for BYU, we would just, and this is how it is right now, is we're waiting with ESPN to see how it all unfolds and how it plays out, what bowls are going to be available. And now it looks like there's going to be more and more than there were. With all those games being open, there were some intriguing possibilities, but I'll step away from that at this point in the season right now. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, As far as the games that you lost, which now seems like 20 years ago, but it's not, but time's moving at a weird rate, Uh, rescheduling a Missouri or a Michigan State, have you had any conversations with those schools? Yeah, very briefly. We we did initially when the games were postponed. They were very sorry uh, that they had to postpone them because we all thought that they were going to be great series but what we've done uh, in initial calls is to try to stage those games kind of pencil them in and unfortunately for many that were anticipating those games they go out quite a quite a ways you're talking about the earliest ones of those games are 25 20 25 26 and some of them go out to 20 30 those were the only spots 
where you could find open slots between the two teams, that made sense. Now, you, the one thing that I've seen is we have a lot of fans of scheduling these days. They look at uh, some copy of a schedule of another team that we're supposed to play, and they look at our f- supposed future schedule, and they start matching up games. But that doesn't always work that easily. It might show a game that's open, but there's a lot of times when schools have games that are penciled in, they're not on anybody's schedule publication, and they're just locked in for those times without a contract. So sometimes people think that even like this year, why didn't you just play this game? You're both open. Well, I think that I've really spoken to every possible open team out there, and they're not all open. I heard a lot of stuff, and I don't know what's true and what isn't, Tom, regarding the postponement of the Army game and government and officials were involved and all these things that were beyond BYU's control. So that's already done. But going forward here, if it should happen, is there any form of uh, clarity as far as what the process is in terms of who makes the call? And is there a number? Is it 5, 10, whatever it is, the players test positive or contract tracing? Could you walk us through all that? Well, I really can't walk you through all of it because I'm not really sure. That sounds like very un, not the wisest thing for me to say. But that's why I say, PK, that this goes from week to week. Because I think with some conferences, they have written guidelines. And as I talk to their ADs and their coaches, they're certainly very uncertain about how that actually could even work. It's, they're just putting rules down on paper that try to suffice at this point in time for if and when they have a situation with COVID. You really don't know. I mean, you come down to a situation where they, they say if you have X number of linemen or a position that are out, then that uh, is deems it necess- or okay for a cancellation of a game. We're not looking at that at BYU, not being in a league. What we're doing is every week, almost every day, we're examining where we are. We test three times a week. And so we know where we are, but you don't know until you get the day of that test result. And as you see with that Army game, that was some people want to make something out of it more than it is. We just had, with contact tracing, too many of our players that weren't going to be able to put together a game. And that's how it's been, as, as I read, for most every one of these games that has been canceled across the country right now. So there's, I, don't, I don't think at this point in time, as I've read about other schools, that there's gamesmanship involved. It's just flat out you can't play. There's not enough guys to play. Or in some cases, you, know, you just have the epidemic where the, you have people that haven't necessarily tested positive. But the uh, contact tracing puts them in a position where they're quarantined and then they can't participate for a short time. I don't think I've heard that since we were playing pickleball in the neighborhood in the fourth grade. We don't have enough guys to play. <laughs> That's old school. Right there, it's, it's old school. Tom Homel, BYU Athletic Director, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We saw a situation where Houston had a game canceled by the opponent and Baylor had a game canceled by the opponent. And so they decided... On like a week's notice, 
hey, we're going to play. I mean, there were literally calls on a Friday and Saturday before the game, and a, the coaching staff at Houston scrambling to get film and starting to break it down. And then ultimately by Wednesday or Thursday, I think Baylor had an outbreak, and they couldn't play. But when you talk about you know schools being available, are you looking at playing on that short of notice if there was a possibility? I think that that was a very rare situation because they happened to be close, relatively yeah, no close. Relatively, yeah. And they were just of the oddity of them being both coming up like that. Um, I think that I give those guys credit. Some people tried to you know, take a shot at them, but they tried. You know, and under the circumstances of this year, they felt that they could try to do it, and, and it didn't work out. But just you're, we're, we're, I look at our team at BYU, and they've put in a ton of effort. And they realized that all that effort could be canceled in a given week like it was against Army. That's a hard thing, but this is a hard year. And so you're going to see more and more of those across the country as more and more games are scheduled now. And so I think that you could do that. Sure, I'd keep an open mind about it. And if there was a situation that came up and it was safe and both of the coaches, the players and the team, our teams, the coaches and the players felt that it was in their best interest to try to schedule that game, I I would try to attempt to schedule it. Okay, Tom, well, that just screams Boise State. And it's probably an unfair question, but I'm an unfair dude and you know that. What percentage would you put on you guys playing Boise in November? You know, like I was explaining earlier, there's just a situation that cropped up that they hadn't really prepared for. They didn't really think about that. But I think it's good for the military academies. And look, the the Mountain West Conference is going to try to do what they can to make sure that every team in their conference has, you know, somewhat of an equal opportunity to play games. So with one team not being able to play on that given week, why not let them play? And that's, look, it's not that it's a BYU thing. It's a Mountain West Conference thing. And, and uh, we, everybody would know that our um, attitude about playing these games is we want to play the games and we'll try to play them if it's feasible. So if, it's, if there's an open discussion about this that's going to go on, we, you know, we'd, we'd like to get in the mix. Usually December football is a no-go, but it's an odd year, and we're going to see a lot of games these first three weeks in December. Are you open to playing on some or all of those weekends? You use the word usually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is a quite unusual year. So, yeah, we would be open. I mean, I think there obviously are some things with our school where we have kids that are, you know, the school will close down now after Thanksgiving, and they won't come back. I mean, and then they won't come back until the next semester. So we work very closely with our school administration. We work very closely with the government here, the state government, and our local health officials. And we look and see. So to try to say and plan for December, um, you could do it with a pencil. I wouldn't do it with a pen. <laughs> We've heard a lot about uh, students at both of your universities in the Utah County area about going out and doing those types of things uh, in terms of uh, large groups. Uh, what do you know as far as, I don't know how much you control UVU, but as far as BYU getting the message out to make sure the social distancing guidelines and all the protocols are being practiced, practiced beyond the athletic programs and more of the university in general? Um, 
the, kind of our attitude, my attitude and the team and coaches is we can only really control the things that we can control. And if you start trying to do other things, it'll start to take its toll on you. So I think our coaches have done a very good job with the leaders of our team and all of our players at just coming to this point where, look, guys, we can't control what's going on around us in the community uh, or at our school, but we've been able and working hard to do what we can with ourselves. And that's all we can do. Now, to answer your question, I would say that they're doing more. I think, I think there's you know, at first that it was a little bit out of control and people were just students didn't know how to react to being in this situation for themselves. And so I think with a a lot of the attention that has been given to the, our County and how many cases there's been, it's, it's pretty, everybody I think can understand the situation now. I think that people are starting, are beginning to realize that they can help cut the numbers. That's about all I can say because we can't really control that. So people like to go to BYU football games. Do you think you're going to be able to at least welcome in, you know, friends and family, two or four people, you know, per player and, and coach? Do you think you'll be able to open up to five or 10,000 fans? Where's that trending? I mean, we, as you well know, we, we've worked on it all year trying to, you know, make sure that we could make the games available to our fans. But this is another situation where you don't go back to the playbook from, the last year, the last time we canceled or didn't have fans in the stadium. And so it's just so unique that we're working really basically week to week. In this particular case with the state, it's a two-week mandate. And so I I feel that the state has worked very well with us. Uh, We've had incredible conversations, and I think they've been a great partner. And, And so, but in the end, it's not a decision that I make. It's, it's a decision that comes down to the health, educa- health officials in the state and in the county and our school and our you know, board of trustees. So, you know, we're, gonna, we're going to do, we are doing everything we possibly can to get fans in. Now, whether it's friends and family or a limited number or that number increases, that will all be predicated on what the situation looks like in the community. So earlier in the summer when the Pac-12 had announced that they weren't going to play and before they announced that they were going to resume play in November, Mark Harlan had met with us in a Zoom situation and estimated the losses to the athletic department to be in the $50, $60 million. Now that's going to be mitigated somewhat, obviously, with the return of games. But they went ahead and they furloughed and laid off employees. How is BYU doing financially? And has there been any of that situation where there's been a reduction in the workforce? Um, not at this point in time, but we have, like every school in the country, you're looking at your um, revenue and expenses, uh, certainly to look to the current time, the present time, and the future. And those are conversations that are go- ongoing with our university, with our university leaders up on campus to try to determine um, how we can ha- be strong in the future and still be um, doing the right thing in the present time. So those are the decisions at BYU that are continually ma- being made. Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director, joining us. So uh, with basketball, do you see that starting on time? Do you think Thanksgiving oh, – you're already giggling. <laughs> do you know what the non-conference schedule is going to look like? Everybody wants answers now. Well, you know, we don't get to talk to you that often, Tom. I feel like i got to bring them all. 
right now. If well, I think that uh, you know everybody's well aware of the importance of the economics of basketball, college basketball to the NCAA and to all these sports. So um, we're in the West Coast Conference, which doesn't play football. So we're kind of on our own here playing football and doing our thing. But the, the West Coast Conference, this basketball issue is a super important thing. And you and that goes to all the conferences across the country. So I think that um, as I talk to Dan Gavitt and some of the guys on the NCAA basketball committee staff and, and the actual selection committee and um, basketball committee, they're doing everything they possibly can. I think they're in a good spot right now. I think they have a very good plan going forward for where things are now. And I, th- I know for a fact that each school in the country and each conference in the country is doing everything they can to make it work. So what the reason I laugh is because there are scenari- scenarios that are, that are out there right now. And some of them are public and some of them are private. But there's various scenarios out there. And that's kind of how we've done it in football. Is we had plan A, B, C, and so forth. And you just have to be mobile you have to be fluid you have to be willing to willing and able to be able to make changes on a dime and be okay with them and in in essence it comes down to are we going to play the games or not and you know for some of our teams we didn't play the games for some of our sports we just they had to cancel the sports and we did everything we could to push it down the road and that became the f- phrase how long are we going to kick this can down the road well i'm glad we kicked it down the road because we got a, some football games we're going to get some more and i'm glad that now we're we're managing as best we can at this point in time college basketball season and the rest of our sports and I, I just, I'm really impressed, and it gives me a, a lot of hope in a, in a time where college athletics is people taking a lot of cracks at it, that there are people right now that are doing a lot to make things happen and to make it work. And I have a lot of partners out there that made this happen for BYU. I get a lot of attention for it, but I couldn't have done this without a ton of other ADs across the country and other people at ESPN and Dave Brown and a number of people that we just all got together and said, let's try to make this work. And we got knocked down. We got slapped in the head. There's so many things that have happened, but yet we're playing. And um, I just, I'm glad now that I think a lot of our fans have figured it out, that they realize that this is a, a, tent- a very tentative situation. And that it does go week to week. We might not have fans in the stands as we have planned out. But we do have a plan to have a lot of fans in the stands. If we can get to that point, we will put them in. Going forward here, these players have a, basically a free year of eligibility. Now, that's unusual in any circumstance, but particularly with BYU when you have missionaries that are coming back that you recruited two years ago. And so my thought for you is how are you going to handle all this scholarship situation when for BYU it's always difficult because of the missionary deal? I think that's another case where you have a, a various plans. So we have a little bit of experience with this in that we did this last spring. There were some sports where they allowed us to have what they call super seniors. And so we at BYU had a plan. It differed from a lot of other schools. And we felt that the plan, 
coming up because these are the spring kids now that are coming up uh, for this. The, it's the 2021 season where they'll be coming back where we feel like it's a good plan. Um, we haven't executed it to perfection yet, but as so far, it's been all right. This is exactly what's going to happen with football is you're going to have these various possibilities that play out where you're not sure quite who's going to come back. You know, you're not quite sure what the expenses are going to be. So you're starting to look at possible revenue streams to pay for this and to help these kids be able to come back. There's a lot of questions that still remain to be unanswered. But right now, on a daily basis, we're going after, we're attacking these questions and kind of trying to come up with strategies that make it best for BYU. I think it's, it's very odd that people, not odd, but it's, it's just weird that people want to make every school like look the same. And every school is so different because of their unique sets of um, rules and policies and procedures that they have on their campus. And so I, I don't really know the answer to how that will be other than I know how it will be at BYU. I don't know exactly how it will be at BYU, but we have a vision of what we think it's going to look like at BYU. So one thing about football is they travel on charter planes, and that makes travel a different beast because so many sports are traveling commercial. With testing ramping up now, are you feeling pretty good about your ability to test your kids and send them out on the road and the ability of other schools to test their kids and send them to Provo? Are all the sports that rely on commercial travel in a different boat than football and a lot more vulnerable? I think those are all very good questions, and I don't have the answers to all of them, but I would say that this is another example of what I'm talking about, about people working together. There's been way more collaboration. For example... If we were going to play Troy in football in a regular season, I would probably call the AD the week of the game and say, hey, Brett Jones, looks like it's going to, we're going to get a game. I can't wait to see you out here. When you get out here, let's get together. I talked to Brent Jones and his uh, deputy, Kyle George, probably every other day for three weeks coming up to the game and just trying to make sure that our kids and their kids and coaches and it's all working out and the all the various people that were working in uh, SID communications or trainers it was it's a it's a in, incredible collaborative effort to get a game to put it to game together now and so you have this I kind of like like to call it the old school mentality where when you play a game it's just not a game it's an event you, you actually have personalities involved and you know the people that are coming from the various schools because you have had to work with them or else it wouldn't have ever come to come to um, pass so here we go where we have a, the rest of the season coming up and every week now you know, we have Louisiana Tech coming up on Friday. There will be so much work that will go into that game being played, and it won't come out in the papers at all because it's just about can we get from Monday to Tuesday and can Louisiana Tech. And if we can get to Tuesday, then we, get the, we earn the right to go to Wednesday. And if we can play a game on Friday night, then we've done a good thing. You're an old football guy at heart, Tom. How good is this football team, do you think? They're, they're a good team. Uh, a lot remains to be seen just because of the un, un, unusual aspects of this team, uh, of, the, of the year. 
one of the things that I've been watching college football with is to see like these teams that are really strong and traditional teams that for whatever reason, they're not playing well this year. They have good personnel. They have very strong coaching. They have great traditions. But when you watch them play, something's missing. Something's wrong. And it has to do with the emotional and the mental aspects of the game. It has to do with the physical aspects, that they didn't get their normal scheduling of spring practice and winter conditioning and all the little things. And somewhere on places along the lines, there were pieces of their preparation that were missing. And right now, only those coaches know what's going on. And I think there'll be great books written about this year to be able to go back and say, what happened? And I, it was like, so that's why for Kalani and his team, I'm super proud of him right now because you can only take it a day at a time. And what Kalani's doing is he's taking it a day at a time. And so for two games, for two weeks, and I take that back because, I mean, there was great preparation for that Army game. But for these early prep games, they've done everything they possibly can, and you're really not quite sure how it's going to be. But you can, I think after two weeks, our people are starting to get used to what they see. And there now, there'll be another game and more challenges, and then there'll be another road game and more challenges. But instead of looking down the road, and and that's what all people like to do in college football, is to prognosticate. That's what makes it so fun. What's going to happen? Look at these two teams coming together at the end. And for us right now, the only thing that we can do to put us in the best position to succeed is to take it a day at a time. And and how many times that, there we go, it's coach speak. If there is ever a year where you take it a day at a time, this is the year. Well, Tom, we appreciate a few minutes. We appreciate you coming over uh, here to the Riverside Country Club to talk with us and uh, fill in your fans on what's going on. Good luck. Thank you. We're going to need it. <laughs> right? More than ever, right? You're going to need some good <laughs> luck. Uh, thanks, Tom. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We just had a long talk with uh, Tom Homo there. And... Uh, <laughs> PK, I don't know. That was a lot of info, but there's a lot of question marks. They don't know anything for sure, and whatever they know for sure, they don't know a day or two later. Well, I do think for sure they're going to try to schedule Boise. Whether it be played or not, I don't know, but I think that's going to happen. Judging from just reading between the lines, I think it's going to happen. It the makes scheduling sense. Scheduling of it. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Air Force is going to play that service academy game with Army, so – and I think it works for Boise State the way I was talking about with the America Athletic Conference. Um, you know, that Boise State thinks, hey, we might have a New Year's Six team. If we can beat BYU, that's really going to bolster our resume. So, Yeah, oh, and most definitely. Both yeah. ways. Works, it works both ways for both schools. Uh, Chasta Trailer tweets at us, Trivia fun fact for at David DJ James and PK Kinahan. You're broadcasting live from what used to be my Aunt Ellen and Uncle Austin's farm. Riverside Country Club used to be a farm. How about that? Well, everything used to be a farm, right? <laughs> okay, you got me there. 
Uh, all right. Well, we are out of time here. Thanks for uh, everyone who uh, joined us today, including the athletic directors from BYU and Utah State, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. And uh, I know I'm leaving people out, but thanks to everyone and the National Football Foundation, the Utah chapter, their golf tournament here at Riverside Country Club, or as we like to refer to it, uh, you know, Ann Ellen and Uncle Austin's farm. That'll do it for us. Scotty and Hans are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.